Hey friends, this is Kelsey Jo Hillis, photographer, entrepreneur, wife, mom, and recovering people pleaser. This is my podcast, Picturing Purpose, where I have meaningful and authentic conversations with people from all different walks of life. My hope with this podcast is that you find encouragement, lean on faith, and trust God's purpose for your life. We will have a brand new episode for you every other Wednesday. So with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode of Picturing Purpose. Hello, Purpose Pleasers. This is Kelsey Joe with Picturing Purpose. Today, I have an awesome testimony from a wonderful woman named Angie Wells. Go ahead and say hi, Angie. Hello. <laughs> You're from the Cedarville area? Yes. Is that right? Okay, cool. So what church do you go to? Cedarville First Assembly. Okay, okay. So that's kind of how you have the, we have the common mutual friends of the Wanamakers yes. and all that. Okay. Yes. So let me preface that to my audience. So Angie, if everybody knows that Joel Wanamaker, he's on the show a lot. He's a pastor at Kingdom Church. We That's our mutual friend. And his wife, Michelle, is one of my best friends. And what was he? He was like in the youth ministry? He was youth pastor okay. at Cedarville. When you were there. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So... Angie's testimony is pretty crazy. I don't know all of it, which I'm excited to hear about. I told her, usually I have like questions lined out and I've like prepped all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I don't know her story. And I'm really excited to just kind of have an organic conversation like we're meeting for the first time. And I just want to hear your entire story and kind of what the Lord has brought you through and what he's delivered you from. You were friends on Facebook. And Michelle had told me a while back, like, you need to have Angie on your show. (laughs) And it was just kind of in passing. And then I saw something you posted on Facebook about, like, I think it was your sobriety date, Mm -hmm. like how long you've been clean. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a reminder. I need to have her on the show. So I sent you a message and here we are. So go ahead and kind of like tell the audience a little bit of a backstory, like how you grew up and kind of what led you into addiction, if you want to start with that. I was just, I was raised in a broken home. My real dad and my mom, they got divorced, I think, when I was like five. My mom remarried, my dad remarried. My teenage years were just mainly drinking Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, I think the first time I ever took a drink of alcohol, I was 12 years old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. My parents partied a lot, you know, and it was normal to me. Yeah. That was normal. Mm -hmm. That was the normal life to go throughout the week, work and drink and party on the weekends, you know. Right. I I got really, I don't know, just mainly when I was probably in my early 20s is when I started messing with the other heavier stuff, you Mm know. I I got pregnant when I was 19 Mm -hmm. with my first son, Skylar. Um, I I knew of God, you know. Mm -hmm. I I went to church once when I was probably preteen. I remember going to the altar. I even remember what I was wearing that day. I mean, I, that's crazy <laughs> yeah, that I can remember yeah. that, but I do remember that. And I remember my friend grabbing me and saying, you need to go to the altar. And I was like, okay, I'll go to the altar, Yeah, you know, and I rode the van back, never went back, you know. Right. Um, so, but, you know, I, I remember my mom always writing in a, in a notebook, you know, and the, they were prayers, you know, yeah. she would write prayers to the Lord. And I remember as a child, I was fearful of the dark, very fearful yeah. of the dark. Yeah. And I didn't know how to pray. So I just would say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, over yeah. and over until I fell asleep. 
I'm 31 and I still do that some days. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really have the words, but I love you, Jesus. Just yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And then, so from then on, like, how did you, like, how did you meet your husband and... Um, I was probably 23 when I met Jonathan, mm-hmm. and I met him partying. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we met, and from then on, it was, see, I had my daughter at 25. Before, you know, there was two years before that, and we we drank, we partied, we took pills. We did everything. Anything you could think of, right. we did, you yeah. know. You know, we finally, his mom and dad actually talked us into getting married what? Oh yeah, they she after we had after we had our daughter. Oh okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, Jimmy and Sheila, they are very godly people that mm-hmm. I mean she's just been a wonderful role model to me and mentor through all of this. Mm-hmm. But we got married and our daughter was 2 years old. We fought. Actually the 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 day that we got married, we left to go on a cruise and that night that we got on the cruise we had like a huge fight, you know, we got mm-hmm. drunk. I mean, alcohol is. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah. we just always fought. I mean, and I, when I talk about fought, I'm thinking, I'm, you know, there was stuff that was broke. Right. You know, it wasn't it got just. violent. Yeah, yeah, it was violent. It was mm-hmm. very violent marriage between both of us. It wasn't one or the other. It was just both of us. Right. And, you know, we just, we had, we did build a house. We had 30, 30 head of cattle. We had a bull, you know, we had just oh, wow. this the southern normal right. <laughs> happy family you think yeah, life. Right. But you know, we started doing pills. He worked at a factory and so he worked 7 to 7 shift and to get through that, you know, he would take pills and he would bring them home, you know, and share them and Right. That was our first major addiction was pills. So and, you weren't like an in full-blown addiction with your first two children. No, no, I, I was just, you know, Kinda I was on and off. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, I would, I would drink, you know, when we didn't have our kids, and yeah, even sometimes when we did, you know, right, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> this is an honest podcast, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lay it all out there. Yeah, you know, there was Skylar is actually not Jonathan's. He is, mm-hmm. he is a prior relationship. Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, he, we, when we built the house, we, we moved in and Audrey was two years old. Mm-hmm. Jonathan was working at Beckert, Beckert? Yeah, Becker. Becker. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's where he was working. And we just never, there was a void, you know, that I was trying to fill through men, you know, yeah. like I was like Skylar's dad couldn't fill it. So I went to somebody else, you know, and then, right. and then through our whole entire marriage before Christ came in. I just I always went to somebody else because I felt mm. like, you know, you you're not you're not perfect. You're not the man. You know, you're not doing your job. Right. You're not fulfilling what I need. So I right. need to get it from somewhere We're else. On to the next one. Yeah. yeah. And I mean we stayed married through all that, mm-hmm. but it was it was we, we just fought. It wasn't a marriage at all, you know. Right. Not what I I mean, never now I look back and see what a true marriage is supposed to be like, and it's like, wow, it just blows my mind that I was just clueless, you know, of yeah, of a godly marriage. So, yeah, yeah. Where I'm kind of similar in that I didn't battle with any type of drug addiction, but men was an addiction for me. Yeah, and it wasn't that I was seeking someone for me to love; it was seeking someone for me to love me. Yeah. Like, I just wanted someone to be in love with me. Yeah. And that was 
almost a void, I, I guess, from my childhood maybe that I just felt like I didn't have like an emotional fulfillment from a parent that like made me feel safe. So when I grew up, it was like I just wanted to chase after. Yeah. And, and I was always heavy as a child. So like I didn't get the attention that my friends got. And so I always tried to just like. I, it was always older men, which is disgusting now that I think about it as a 31-year-old mom. But, you know, I think a lot of women, even whenever they don't struggle, or even men, when they don't struggle with, like, any type of addiction like food or mm. or drugs or alcohol, people don't really realize that there is an addiction of, it, like, intimacy, like love yeah. and lust. Yeah. Because we want to fill a void that we're not filling with Jesus yeah. and we want to like chase whatever we think is going to please us. And for me as a young girl, it was attention from men. I, I, I haven't totally figured that out in therapy yet, but uh, <laughs> I'm working on it. And it's, it's, it's definitely better now, now that I'm married and, you know, and we're living a life for Christ. But before I was married, I mean, it was just an obsessive thing. So I totally understand the, the men thing. Yeah, uh, for you. I think you were just trying to find anything to just fill that emptiness inside. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I think we left off where Jonathan was working somewhere and he was able to get pills and you guys kind of got into that. Yeah. Yes. We started doing that and, you know, pills are expensive. Yeah. Off the street. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually... We filed for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. We lost our home that we built. Oh, wow. We lost our cows. We lost everything, you know. Wow. And I think that even just made it worse. Yeah. You know, we couldn't we couldn't get along. We couldn't I mean, we could get along, you know, for a little bit, you know, and then we'd get drunk and we'd get jealous or, you know, just do something to each other just in spite, just to make, right. you know, because the other one hurt the other one's feelings, so you're going to get back at them. Right. You know, and it was just, I think we we moved into my dad's rental, my stepdad's rental house, mm -hmm. which was in Natural Dam, and we, we were really bad then on pills. I was actually, I was, I was addicted to, what was it, the morphine and the rapid release. I, I was getting like there's them. there's a pill form? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was really bad. And to be honest, I don't think there's anything worse than being addicted to pills. Mm -hmm. I can't explain, you know, when you wake up, that's the first thing you think of. Do I have enough pills to make it through the day? Then you're like, okay, now I need to take care of my kids. You know, that, you know, that's, that's just the first thing that you think yeah. of in it's the like morning. Once, once you're high, then you're like, okay. Now I can. Yes. Yeah. Like you were, were you were a functioning addict. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was a functioning addict. Mm -hmm. Both of us were. Um, yeah. As long as we had pills, we were good. We could take care of our kids. We could pay our bills. We could mm -hmm. work. I worked at the hospital for a little <laughs> bit as an EKG technician, mm -hmm. and I was addicted to the the morphine pills really bad. And one day I didn't have them, and I went to work. You know, you had to be there at six o'clock in the morning, and I just wrote a note and said. I can't work here anymore. Didn't really give it, you know, just slipped wow. it under the, you know, that's that's how controlling the pills are. You know, you, yeah. you just, you cannot function. Yeah. And so then I went home and I was like, well, I just quit my job. And he didn't have a job. So, because he had lost his job also. Uh, because of his addiction? Yeah. So anyway, he started working like construction 
um, with a few people bricklaying and all of that. And we moved into another house that my dad had that we rented from him. And I got pregnant with my youngest son, mm. Ezra. And oh, I, love I was that name. I was still taking. I was still taking pills, and mm-hmm. I was like, I knew, you know, that I was like, I, I got to quit, the, you know, I got to quit taking them. So I started taking Laura tabs mm-hmm. because it's a lower, yeah, it's a lower dose, yeah. and it, and it wasn't so bad yeah. being on those. And again, it, I it was I was a functioning drug addict, so I could get up and go to work, and you know, everybody, right. it it looks normal to you, look right. normal to everybody, yeah. As long as you're taking your pills, if you don't, then you're mm-hmm. like, are you sick? Yeah. You know, are you okay? Yeah, you yeah. know, and um, I was actually, I had had a job for an insurance agent and while I was pregnant and I was working and I, I did actually wean myself off of the lore sets oh. to where probably three months into my pregnancy, I was, I quit. Oh, okay. so. Wow. Yeah. Well, and then. Then we had him, and one day Jonathan had actually went to another job. That's another thing when you're on a when you're a, in a, an addiction, you can't you can't keep a job because you know when you eventually you 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 know don't feel good and you can't go to work for so many days if you can't find something or whatever, and then you just bounce from job to job, you know. Yeah. Or that was that was our case you know what we Mm -hmm. you know if we couldn't we would just bounce from job to job to job you know and he went from Beckert to graphic to construction to just let's see where was he working I don't even remember what the place was but that's where the drug dealer was working that he started getting meth from and he brought it home I was actually breastfeeding and I found it I found it laying. He was had it hidden, you know, and I found it, and I was like, "Oh well, wow. you know." And I thought, "Well, I'm gonna have to quit breastfeeding." Well, I quit breastfeeding just because <sighs> of that. I know it's it's like just dangling a carrot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we I start we started doing meth then, and you know Ezra was a baby, so mm-hmm. we weren't able to pay you know the rent, so we moved out and we moved in with his mom, mm-hmm. and. How was that? You know, his mom and dad, I'm telling you, they are the spitting image of Jesus. Mm. They they don't they don't judge you, you know, yeah. they just welcome you in no matter who you are, what awesome. you're doing. Yeah. They still love you for who you are. Yeah. And that's that's it's just I am so blessed. Mm-hmm. Like when a lot of people they're like, Oh, my mother in law or my father in law, mm-hmm. you know, my my in laws and I'm like, I am blessed. Yeah. I have the <laughs> the most amazing in laws ever. Yeah. So anyway, we moved in there and Ezra had a lot of respiratory issues when oh, he was a kid. Okay. And I mean, to be all honest and really raw, we we smoked in the house. Okay. You know, and, and that you feel like that might have led to the oh, respiratory yeah. issues? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I know that's not the easiest thing no. to admit. No, and it's, and it, you but know. it's real life. It happens. Yes, and, yeah. and when you're doing it, you know, when you're in that position, you know in the back of your mind. That it's wrong. That it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it's your addiction overpowers yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like the enemy normalizes it in yeah. your mind. You're like, well, but you, I mean, you need to do it. Yeah. 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 
So. Wow. So how did that, did his respiratory issues get better? Yeah, he even, he even had some major skin issues. And, you know, I don't know, he had eczema really bad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was so bad that it, he had bubbles, blisters oh, on his eyes and um, stuff. And, and, I, and I think it is because of the smoking in the house, okay. you know, with him. But that is just, now that I look back at it, I look back at it. And I, I can either sit and mm-hmm. grieve yep. over what I've done, mm-hmm. but I know what God's done, you know. Right. And you know, just it just it's it's hard sometimes to think about it, you know yeah. what I what I've done, but I but know it, that I'm forgiven. Right, right. Yeah. And you shouldn't feel any type of shame, you know, because He does forgive you. Yes. You know, if you repent, yes. He does forgive you. I I think. You said something about grieving, and it just kind of brought a little thought to my head is that because the last episode, well, the one before the last one with Josh Me, he just recently lost his wife, and we were talking a lot about grieving. And so I did a lot of studying before that about grieving and just the process of it. And I learned a lot about how, especially today in today's age, like we don't allow ourselves to grieve and we need to grieve. Like even if it's things that we don't want to face and we don't want to like think about that grieving, like the Lord wants us to grieve and he wants to be able to comfort us in that so that we can move forward. And that way, every time we think about it, it's not like shame, you know, because we can, we can grieve, cry it out get that out on the table, ask for forgiveness, and feel somewhat peaceful about it, mm-hmm. which a situation like that is hard to to think about. Yes. But like for me listening to you, I'm like, oh, well, you know, she's, you know, she's been forgiven. And I'm sure that in the future, because I think is Ezra's only nine now, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm sure those are conversations that you may have already had or you will in the future that are going to be, you know, just a I, I don't want to say like a learning block, but you know, like it's going to be yes. something that you'll be able to teach and use as a, as a lesson in yeah. a way. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, God takes, you know, the things that well, Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. you know, he takes the, the things that were meant to destroy us, yeah. you know, and he turns it into his good yeah. when, and for his good, yeah. you know, and I believe that each each part of my story or my testimony is for someone, you know. And sometimes I, you talk about shame. I still struggle sometimes with people, with people, you know, yeah. in general, just what they think of me. Oh yeah, uh, you know, oh, and, yeah. and I think everybody does to oh, an extent. For sure. Yeah, but I have to keep my eyes fixed on him, you know, and not what others might think of me because that's just life. I mean, people, you're people are always going to have. Opinions. Yeah. 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 So. And what, what has helped me is knowing that God's opinion of me is what matters, yes. not what everybody else. And I don't know what other people are going through. So if you were to share that story with someone that didn't understand, and wasn't emotionally mature to handle that. Yeah. They may have a judgment or opinion towards you, but they're also, they just weren't ready to hear it, yeah. you know? And yeah. maybe one day they would think back to that and be like, you know what, I, I, I didn't really, like, take her story into consideration and put myself in her shoes, yeah. and that wasn't right of me. So I always try to think of, like, 
because I struggle with that too, where I'm like, well, what are people thinking about me doing this? And, yeah. you know, when really no one really cares. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think sometimes we just need to look on the outside of like, usually everybody else is worried about what you're thinking about them. Yeah. You know, I it's mean, always yeah. reversed. Yes. So, sorry, we went on a tangent there. After that, with when you started using meth, kind of what happened after that? You know, we... We just, it went downhill from and there. And you still lived with your, your in-laws? Yes. Okay. Um, and then we we actually was able to get a trailer um, mm-hmm. on some property. He, he, actually, he actually got the job at Graphic after that. So he was working at Graphic then when we got the trailer. And the drug dealer that he was, you know, getting the stuff from, I met him, you know, mm-hmm. and there's that... Again, talking about men, you know, f- right. trying to fill the void, you know, right. and 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 also I think it was also too that hey I could get some drugs, you know, right, without having to use, right, my, you know, just right. all of the all of the things that come with all, all of that comes with addiction, you know, yeah. and so you know I started like seeing the drug dealer off and on, mm-hmm. you know, and my husband knew, you know, and he he you know it just he was probably thinking well at least we'll get. Stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know, he just maybe that would have been me if I was. In yeah, this yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and I don't know if he really. I think that he tried to tell himself that it wasn't nothing was going on. You know, okay. yeah. Um, but then the first time that I actually started using the needle mm. was when it all. Sp- just broke you know everything just broke Mm -hmm. and i lost all sense of time reality anything to do with anything i I just lost it yeah and it's 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 a very scary thing to do that i mean you're playing with your life you know Mm -hmm. losing you know everything losing your sense of of reality like who you are and you lose all of that and you just become this this addict that just is don't even care about their self, you know, don't even just all you want to do is get high, you know, you yeah. when, when's the next, when can I shoot up again or, you know, where can I find some more at, you know? And so I remember sitting on my couch and I called, you know, the guy that the drug dealer and I said, I'm, I'm going to leave, you know, I'm going to leave mm-hmm. my husband. And he said, okay, I'll be there. You know, he was all about it, you know? Right. So I remember just my kids, my daughter and my littlest Ezra was asleep and Jonathan was asleep and I was sitting on the couch and I just got a few things and I didn't go out the front door because I was paranoid, like he's going to hear the door creak. So I jumped out the window. You know, some of the things I think of back when I when I, when I was, I was like, oh my goodness, that is so childish. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What were you thinking? You know, which I wasn't. To, it's hard not to <laughs> laugh in moments like this because I know it's a serious conversation, but I'm always just like... Uh, reenacting it in my head yes 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 and (laughs) like you could have just taken the door but you were like "Eh, i'll just (laughs) jump out of this window yeah so you know and i left i left my car there you know i had a car and but i left it there because i was like he's gonna hear it leave you know and i don't want him to know where i'm at like he didn't know where i was at but so i left my i mean i just left my and my ezra was i think he might have been one and a half maybe Mm. And 
that's another thing that I try not to dwell on. I mm-hmm. try not to think about that because yeah. it, it, it'll get you down yeah. if you if you start thinking about it, you right. know. Just well, addiction the, the t- was like the number one thing in yeah. your mind. It would nothing else mattered at yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I lived with him that was probably actually in twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. probably September or the end of August when mm-hmm. I done that. And I didn't have contact with anybody. I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't turn my phone off and I hid myself, you know, because people, my mom, my dad, people were looking for me. Like, where did she go? Nobody knew where I went. Yeah. I had a friend that actually, you know, might have known where I was at. And she went there and knocked on the door. And I was like, I'm not opening the door for you. You know, she didn't right. know I was there, you know, but I knew she was there. And they filed like a police report for, you know, because... There, nobody had any contact with me for at least three months. And then my daughter, she was one of the main reasons, I believe, that God reached down mm. and did something. You know, she she was only like eight, I think. And um, she was like, she knew that I was seeing this guy. You know, so she she's eight and she's very knowledgeable of these things, right. which is horrible for an eight-year-old to even be knowledgeable of these things but she finally got a hold of me through him and I started talking to her and you know she was just like well I love you mom you know she was she was she always supported me Mm. you know she always supported me it was just she never showed lack of love to me you know as Mm. as an eight-year-old you know it's just you it's hard to see an eight-year-old think of an eight-year-old that would be so strong at that time. And I didn't know this at the time, but uh, she was she would stay with her Mimi, which was mm-hmm. my mother-in-law a lot because Jonathan, you know, he was still he was still doing drugs, you yeah. know. He wasn't the perfect little angel, you know, that everybody thought he was. Yeah, yeah. you know, he hid his he could he mm-hmm. kept his hidden, you know. Right. And uh, she was going to church at Cedarville First Assembly. Audrey was with Sheila and she would go up to the altar, Tammy, you know, Pastor Tammy would mm-hmm. has told me, you know, your daughter was at the altar, you know, like every Sunday mm-hmm. praying that her mommy would come home, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually have some letters that she wrote still, and I've shared them on Facebook before, of her writing a letter to God mm-hmm. saying, you know, just bring my mommy home, bring her back home, you know, and she would write Jesus' name. And, it, you know, her spelling was off on some of it, you know, so, but it was just I now that like I... brings tears to my yes, eyes just thinking about Yeah, that. and I believe a lot of times, you know, Sheila would tell me that a lot of times in the middle of the night, she would get up and she would like, I need to pray for my mom. And... Wow. And when, when you're living with a drug addict or a drug dealer it's not all rainbows and right you know there's a lot of darkness that comes with dealing drugs being in an addiction you know they're the the drug trafficking i mean you know just some of the things i'm trying to think you know abuse Mentally, physically, emotionally, there were so many things that went on as I was there, you know, that that these things were happening to me. And, you know, I just I would just get high just to just to try to forget about everything. You know, I was like, I just need to get high. I just need to get high so I can forget about so I don't have to think 
and, and you know, feel or anything, mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to be numb yeah. at that point because I just, I knew, I knew that I was just, I was shameful of myself, you know, I didn't want to be there anymore, you know, I wanted to get out, but I just didn't know how to get out of it, of the situation. So trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with Audrey and Sheila and, you know, my mom prayed many, many prayers for me also. But I believe that it was my daughter's prayers Mm -hmm. that reached the throne of God. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we could all have the faith of of a child, Mm -hmm. you know, when they pray, the things that could be broken, you know, in the spiritual world. Yes. You know. Childlike faith. Yes. We need to strive for it every day. Yeah. Yes. You know, she she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, her youth pastor was Treva. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she was, I think she was nine when she got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, she had that in her. She she has, she's just an amazing, amazing young lady now she's 17 now so um she's clearly got a lot of spiritual gifting and she she accesses it a lot yes yeah awesome i tell her all the time i'm like you have a story to tell those other teenagers there's Mm -hmm. so many teenagers out there that are yeah that are oh yeah that have parents that aren't there because of drug addiction and i'm like you have a gift Mm -hmm. in your hand yeah that, you know, God wants to use you to help these other right. teenagers, you know, and mm-hmm. so, but anyway, that that whole year was just like pretty much a blur, but not a blur. Like, I rem- I wish I could erase it. Yeah. Wish I could erase the things that I've seen, things that I did, but it's always going to be there, you know, just the memories of things and yeah. What happened, you know, Audrey she, Audrey and Sheila just kept praying for me, and mm-hmm. I started feeling, I started feeling convicted, yeah. you know, while I was in my drug addiction, mm-hmm. and I believe that was from their prayers, yeah. and I wanted to get out of the situation I was in, but I had nowhere to go, because everybody, all of my family, to me, I felt, you know, that were done with, that were done yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. So I really had nowhere to go. My husband was filing for divorce, um, and I just, I didn't, I felt too shameful to go to my mom, which I know she would have took me back at any time, but but I just, I think that's just part of the enemy telling you those things. He's very deceiving. (laughs) Yes, he is. So I, I think it was like April that year, April 2015, this person came into mine in this this guy's life Mm -hmm. and he was big he just got out of prison you know he had one of them teardrops on his eye you know i mean he was like a big man yeah Yeah. and you know i i believe that god will use anybody yeah to 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 get to you to help Mm -hmm. you to reach out to you whatever it takes and so this guy started coming around you know it's a guy you know And he was just like, one day we were all sitting there getting high, and I don't remember, it was just me and him sitting there, and he was like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean what am I doing? I'm sitting here getting high, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, no, what are you doing here? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you don't belong here. 
When getting your vehicle serviced, it's so important to find a shop that partners with you for the health of your vehicle and to keep your family safe on the road. From oil changes, routine maintenance, and tires to complicated repairs, you can expect integrity, excellence, and honesty every time. That is the John's Service Center difference. John's Service Center services anything from smart cars all the way to large RVs. Spacious waiting rooms with a coffee bar and a kids' play area also makes your visit as comfortable as possible. John's Service Center has been serving the River Valley for over 20 years and is located on Highway 71 across from Clay Maxi. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and Saturday, 8 to 2. Stop by for a quote for your next set of tires, maintenance or repair, and follow us on Facebook to keep up with giveaways and seasonal specials. And so this guy started coming around, you know, since a guy, you know. And um, he was just like, one day we were all sitting there getting high, and I don't remember, it was just me and him sitting there, and he was like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm sitting here getting high. What are you doing? You know, and he's like, no, what are you doing here? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you don't belong here. And I, I was he high? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were all high, you know, but he was just like, it was the I believe it was the Lord speaking through speaking him. through him. You think he even knew that he was saying all that? I Oh, yeah, because it was it was. He kept coming back, you know, after that and, you know, telling me, you know, you have kids at home. What are you doing? You know, you you need to go take care of your kids. And wow. Yeah. This big old guy yeah, that most looks addicts scared. Yeah. Confront you with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I felt drawn to him, you know, like there's that void like, oh, you know, he's yeah. giving me some attention, you know. Yes. So, so I was kind of, you know, like drawn to him and then. I was wanting out of the situation I was in because I was being mentally abused. Like I, I, I can't even ex- from the drug dealer guy. Yes, okay. and I, and I can, I can't even explain that. Yeah. In words of what went on, right? To me, you know, and I was so physically, mentally, and emotionally broken yeah. from from what he had spoke right. to me and said to me and did to me that. I just felt like I was worthless and just nobody would ever want anything to do with me. You know, nobody, nobody loved me. My kids didn't need me. They needed somebody that would, that would take care of them, you know. So this guy, you know, I just, I like really, I don't know. He just, he spoke life into me, you know, like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, oh, you mean there is hope, you know? That, yeah. And one day the, the guy that I was with, the drug dealer, he was passed out, and I walked outside, and and I believe now I, I realized that it was the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, speaking right. to me. But I heard just a still small voice say, "Get in your car and leave." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, well, all my stuff is here, you know. All I put all my stuff, you know, and all my stuff was there that I had my clothes, everything. I had some stuff in my car because, you know, I just." lived in my car and there, you know, wherever we were staying the night or whatever. Right, but right. at that moment, that was that was the starting point of my healing, you know, that was be- that was going to take place mm. that I had no clue, <laughs> you know, just no clue. Right. Because I chose 
I chose to listen. You know, a lot of people say that's your inner voice. No, it's not. It's the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, it's your conscience. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's I can't the Holy stand Spirit that yeah. anymore. Yeah. I used to be that person though, <laughs> and now I'm like, shut up. Stop saying the universe. It's God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and so I got in my car and I went to that the other person's house. And I said, I left and I'm not coming back. I'm not going back. And, you know, I want to be with my kids. And he said, okay, well, I'll help you, you know. And I was just like, okay, you know. And so I stayed with him. He had mm-hmm. a trailer and I stayed with him for for this from like April to, to June. Okay. And in that time, this is so crazy because this is where it, this is just where it gets really crazy. He had a Bible that his grandmother gave him he wasn't even from around here i don't even he was from like texas or somewhere mm-hmm. and um he just got released from here you know he just happened to get okay caught and got released from here but he had a bible and he told me you know he said he patted it and he said don't you know don't put anything on top of this bible he said keep it dusted you know because I, I cleaned the house you know i live there so i was like yeah. well i'm gonna clean the house since you're letting me live here and were you still using? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we were still using. And uh, one day I was cleaning and I was getting the dust off of it, you know, making it look good, you know, and fancy. And I sat down in the recliner and I just felt like drawn to it. Yeah. You know, like open it up. And yeah. So I was like, hmm. so I picked yeah. it up and opened <laughs> it. I was high mm-hmm. and I started reading it and I was like, what? what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. like the things that I was reading were the exact things that I needed to yeah. hear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Hebrews 12, when it says the word is alive and oh, it is yeah. active. Amen. I mean, it was, and it was speaking, he, it was speaking to me and I was like, wow, that is, I closed it, and I was like, okay, let's put that up, because I'm way too high to be doing it, to yeah. even, something is not right, you know, but after I got just a little taste mm-hmm. of that, I kept going back to it, and I, yeah. even in my addiction, even when I was high and using the needle, mm-hmm. I was still going and reading the Word. Yeah. And I, I want to stop you just for a second because I think that there's this stigma from a lot of like legalistic Christians. They think that like God can't reach you when you're high or you're drunk or like he can't use you when you're high or you're drunk. Yeah. And I think that is completely false. It is. God can reach you when yeah. you are like in the depths. Oh, yeah. You know? And I mean, it, I'm testimony, mm-hmm. living yeah. testimony to yeah. that. You know, you, yeah, definitely. <laughs> So I just kept reading the word and 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 he knew I was reading, you know, his Bible and stuff. And I started like when in the middle of the night, you know, like, well, in the morning, like three or four o'clock in the morning would be in the car or something. And I'd be, I'd have that Bible and I'd just open it and I'd take my phone light and I would turn it on and, and, yeah. and read it while everybody else was out, you know, by the fire or whatever, getting yeah. high. And I would read the word and wow. Yeah. And, and, and then I would be driving like he got kicked out of that trailer. So we started living out of a car, Mm. out of my car. Mm -hmm. And we lived or we stayed down at the Mulberry River for a while or just anywhere we could park my car pretty much. Yeah. And I would be driving through town and I would look at a billboard or something. And it was like whatever it was on that 
was speaking straight to me. It it could be like, you know, from like one of the churches over there, they would have mm-hmm. like a scripture or something mm-hmm. and I would read it and I would be like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me through yeah. this billboard. And, you know, I was telling the guy that I was with all of these things and he was like, you've had way too much stuff. And I was like, no, like I really, I started, you know, I was believing. I was like, he is, God is talking to me. He's trying to tell me something, you know? Mm-hmm. And See, those billboards aren't you pointless. It, that's, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so he was, you know, even though God used him, he was also, I I realized that, again, there it is again, that he's not perfect, that the guy that I was with, and that he eventually started physically abusing me. You know, even though God was using, you know, Mm -hmm. used him to get me away from that position, he was just putting, he was just putting me into place, positions where I needed to be to get to where I needed to be, so... I remember being down at the Mulberry River, and I will never, ever forget this. And I know people probably, <laughs> when I say this, they think I'm crazy, but I, don't, I am crazy. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I don't crazy, but go ahead. <laughs> but uh, we were down at the Mulberry River, and you, if you go underneath the bridge, and you're standing there underneath the bridge, and a car pulls up to the bridge, the lights shine mm-hmm. to towards the other side of the bridge. It doesn't shine down into... The, there was a hill where you could go down mm-hmm. down into the creek or river or whatever, and it just there's no possible way that could happen. And he was really high, and he had a gun, and for some reason he was mad at me. And he started shooting the gun, you know, and I was down there, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't I, – I couldn't run because – I could hear coyotes, Mm. you know, like in the background. I was like, well, they're either going to get me or he's going to shoot me. I I really don't know what's going to happen, you know. And it was probably two or three o'clock in the morning. And there was this car and it was an old Oldsmobile. And it was like brown, like Mm. one of them rusty brown colors. It it drove to the bridge at this time. Mm -hmm. Happened to be, you know, my car was parked up here. So I needed to get from here to here. You know, from from the bottom to the top, and I couldn't see up the trail to get up there. But the car stopped. Well, I heard the car, and I was like, "Wow, there's a car!" You know, there's somebody, and he was already up there at the car, but he was just like being stupid and just shooting, you know, because he was mad for. And I don't even know what the reason was, but that light shined because I was thinking I need to, I need light so I could get up there mm-hmm. to my car, and I had my, you know, I had my keys, and so. That light shined all, I mean, it was just like it shined all the way down that whole hill where I could see. And I remember I just, that thought, just like it was that one time, you know, when I was at his house and I chose, I just, I chose to run. Mm -hmm. And when I did, that car took off across the bridge slowly. It was very slowly. And the lights were, to me, seemed dim. But if they were that dim, they were, they were awful bright to shine all the way down that hill, you know. And it came driving by, and it had tinted windows. It was real dark, and it drove by, and he was hollering at me, and he had the gun, and the car just kept driving about, driving around and drove on down the dirt road, and he hit me, and my keys fell out of my hand because I was trying to get in my car, and my keys fell, and I couldn't see nothing. It was pitch black. So I was like tr- on the ground trying to feel for my keys, and here again— this car comes back, same car, drives back around, and the lights, you know, my keys are over here, and, and the 
and the way the road is, it's not pointed towards over yeah. here. You know, it's pointed that way. But the lights somehow came, shined where my keys were, and I grabbed my keys, and it just it never stopped. You couldn't see you couldn't see anything in it. And to wow. th- to this day, I do believe that it was an angel. It was just, yeah. I, I mean. The car didn't. I mean, I. I, I believe you. <laughs> it was just. It was crazy. I mean, I and you know, at the time, I didn't even think of that. But now, you know, as as I got saved and I started thinking about all the things that happened to me, yes. the times, mm-hmm. the amount of times that I got pulled over, yeah. um, with loads of meth in my car and needles, and there were canine dogs, three of them, one time, never did they find, never ever did they find anything. And I got pulled over three different times. And one of the times that I got pulled over, my tags were expired. And the guy was with me and we got, he was like, you just need to get where you're going and get out of here. And so I was like, okay, I'm gone, I'm gone. And And the guy was like, I don't know how we did not just go to jail. And I was like, it was the Lord. The You know, like I was starting yeah. to understand that the Lord was was saving me from these things and these and so i was like it was yeah, the lord it was the lord and they were like second chance yes yeah. yes and so anyway somehow we got back down to my old stomping grounds in my car and this was actually the the day after he had actually beat me really bad in the head mm. i had like huge knots on the side of my head he actually knocked me out mm. um he t- and i remember him telling me right before he knocked me out like hey i can take you down to the bottoms and nobody would ever find you mm. you know just just things like that you know so i was just mentally physically emotionally just yeah dead broken you know but the word of god was mm. the only thing that just kept you kept clinging on yes to yeah. and the next night, we had managed to make it. My car, actually, my car overheated down on Lee Creek because I was taking him back to my stomping grounds and I was showing him my creek in my area, uh-huh. you know, that I lived in. Yeah. And that night, I actually locked my keys in my car. Oh. <laughs> and so we had to bust my back window open to get my key, you know, to get the keys out. But my car overheated right there by the creek. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, we got to get some water, but it was too dark to see. So he's going to wait till light. And this was actually the very first day of school that school started for my kids. Ah. So that kept running through my mind. Like, they're going to come by here and see my car car. and see me. But um, that night, I had my phone and I was reading the word in my car. And I don't even know where he was at or what he was doing. He was in and out of the car or whatever. But I read Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And at that moment, something clicked. Yeah. And I remember putting putting it down, putting the Bible down, and I was like, this is not the plan that God has for me. <laughs> he has a better life for me, mm. you know, and it was just like a an aha moment, you know, of wow. like, Oh my goodness. And and that made me, you know, I was just like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to my mom's. I'm going to my mom's. Mm-hmm. And so when it got daylight, we got some water put in my car. And when I pulled into my mom's, my mom's driveway, my engine blew up. Like I literally had, it had to roll into my mom's oh. 
driveway. Wow. Yeah. And it blew up and I wasn't able to drive it. Was that a was that a God thing? Yeah. Probably yeah. to oh, keep definitely. me there. Yeah. You know. But anyway, I remember, you know, knocking on my mom's doorstep. He was with me at the time and she was just like, Come in, you know, she you know, you're your mom, you're gonna love yeah. You're going to be like, come in, come in, you know. We were still getting high. She let us stay there for just a couple of weeks, maybe more than that. I don't really know. It was That was kind of a blur, too. You know, I was, I'd get high at my mom's, you know, and, but I was still reading the word, you know, but it was, it was sprouting, you know, it was, right. it was, it was yeah. being watered mm-hmm. and it was starting to creep up, you know, to where I just, in conviction you know i was able to see sheila was bringing my kids over to the house Mm -hmm. and i could i was seeing them a little bit skylar he actually was just pretty much he lived with my my nephew casey then he moved in with my stepdad and his wife and they took care of him you know but he was down he went down the wrong path at this time you know he was going down he was in a bad situation doing drugs, drinking, about to fail, you know, school. And Mm -hmm. that was his 10th, no, it was going into his 11th grade year. That was his 11th grade year, the first of his 11th grade year. So anyway, I went to my mom's and my sister and my mom, they realized that, hey, this guy needs to go. Mm. So they made him go. They made him leave, you know, and there I was all alone. Without a man. Without a man, without a car. And I just, my poor mother, I mean, I can't imagine what I put her through. You know, I was, I believed that I was schizophrenic because that's what the previous man that I was with, that's what he was like, you're you're like bipolar, you're schizophrenic, you know? And so Mm. you start believing these things. And to be honest, tell you that, yeah. To be honest, when you're on drugs, you are schizophrenic. You know, you start seeing things for being up for days. Before any of that ever started, I I, I dabbled in tarot cards, Ooh, Ouija boards, okay. all of that stuff, you know. So I, I I believe, you know, that there was already a door open, right? You know, you and there were something to attach to you, yeah. yeah. And there was lots of demonic things, spirits that I, I seen and felt while I was in my drug addiction, you know, yeah. and different times of the night. I remember this one time I was with a dog and this dog started barking at something in the air, you know, mm-hmm. and I, like, I felt it. I, I can, I could feel it. Yeah. You know, I just knew that it was, it was demonic. Definitely. I remember sitting in my mom's room and, or my bedroom in my mom's house back up to that day. I was just so, I couldn't handle my feelings because they all come crashing down. You yeah. know, when you've been on drugs for a year, Right. You're just, all your emotions are coming through and you're realizing what you've done and the shame and the guilt and the, just the grief and just everything. And I literally walked out of my mom's house with one flip, two different flip flops on, I think is what it was. (laughs) And I looked down and I was like, seriously, you can't even put on the wrong flip flop and put on the same flip flops, you know? And I start walking down the road because I had no cigarettes. I smoked also, you know, and I had no money to get any, and so I just started walking down the road, and there was a bridge right there by my mom's house, and I stopped there for, and I looked down, you know, and I literally thought about committing suicide, mm-hmm. which I don't think I actually would have. I think it just would have broke a lot of bones because it wasn't that high, you know, but, yeah. you know, I was just like, you know what? 
I'm, I'm worthless. There's no way I can ever fix any of this. I'd be better off dead. And in that moment, you know, I, I chose not to. And then within a few minutes, my mom pulled up and she was like, get in, I will get you a pack of cigarettes if you just get in the car, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, I'm good. You know, I mean, like I was mentally uh, like, yeah, mentally ill at mm-hmm. that time, you know, yeah. and the drugs do that to you. They, oh, they, for sure. they make you that way. And so my mom was having my sister watch me, you know, like keeping me on watch. So in case I tried to commit suicide or do something stupid or whatever. And so that night, the Bible was over there on the table or on the dresser. And I went over there and I picked it up and I opened it up and it started talking about it's in one of the Gospels about a marriage mm-hmm. and what a woman is supposed to be mm-hmm. to a husband. I guess uh, First Corinthians, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't one know. Of, it's Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, one of those. Yes, and you know how, how the man's supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, like Christ loves the church and this yep. and that, and I just broke. Like yeah. I just started crying, and I cried, and I cried. I mean, like it wasn't even a cry. It was I was weeping. Like, from everything. And I just started crying out to God, like, if you help me, if you help me overcome this, if you just help me get my family back, I don't care what it takes. I'll do whatever you want me to do, you know. And I just, I remember, I've always been drawn to music. Mm -hmm. And so, I always listened, but I always listened to the wrong things, you know, that made me depressed. And there was a song that I was listening to on this little pad that I had this iPad or whatever and it was by I can't remember the name of it but they was talking about the song was called Angie slow it down mm-hmm. and I just I listened to that just I just felt like it was God saying slow down mm-hmm. you know just slow down let me hold you you know and it just and in that moment I curled up on my bed with the Bible and I mean I cried until I fell asleep you know, mm. and this is the next morning when I woke up, I was a totally different person. Wow. God, in that moment of me with him there by myself in that room, he delivered me, he healed me, and he set me free in an instant, I in an it. instant. Yeah. I woke up the next morning. And I got up early, and I was like, knew I, I knew I had a purpose. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to go to Jonathan's mom and dad, tell him I was sorry for what I'd done, you know, that, and I had a letter that I wrote to Jonathan that I was going to give to them because he wouldn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. He didn't want anything to do right. with me. And I said, you know, if he doesn't want anything to do with me, that's fine. I'm still going to live for Jesus. You know, I was going to tell him what right. happened. Right. And so I was up cleaning and doing dishes, which, you know— Prior to that, if you see me, you'd be like, what are you doing? Are you high again or what? But my sister came in and my sister, she is, she she doesn't believe, you know, in, in God. Like currently? Yeah. She, she, she believes that there's something out there, but. Right. So when she came in, you know, she was like, what are you doing? I was like, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm washing dishes. She was like, I could tell that she was just stunned like what what happened to you i mean yesterday you, you were you were on suicide we was watching suicide watch you know and yeah. and now you're here 
up and what are you doing? You know, and now were you, had you already detoxed from that or were you detoxing in that period? That's what I'm saying. He, he healed me. You had like no detox symptoms? No, I did. So when was the last time that you used? Um, It was probably three or four days before that. You know what I'm saying? So when you were contemplating suicide, you were probably like kind of the word fiending. Like yes. you were, you were wanting to yeah. get high. You yeah. were just okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you just felt I, like a different person than totally next day. new okay. person. Wow. So, yes. I mean, I, I can't explain it. I. That's just. I mean, he. No, I, I mean, reached I down and touched me and healed my body. Like healed my mind mm-hmm. completely from all of that mental junk that was in my mind Mm. he he renewed my mind at that moment you know and at the time i didn't know all this because i i I didn't know much about the bible i never opened a bible Mm -hmm. in my life until i started opening it in that that summer and you know my sister you know she i told her i said i i know what i gotta do i know what the lord's telling me to do and i gotta go do this and i said i need to go to my husband's, you know, Jimmy and Sheila's house, and I need to apologize to them. And she was like, well, I'm not taking you. And I was like, it's okay, I'll walk. You know, I had it set in my mind what I was yeah. going to do, and nobody was going to stop me. Yeah. You know, because the Lord had told me what to do. I mean, it was so imprinted. He had imprinted it in me. There was like a fire in me, and yeah. I just had to go do it. And she's probably thinking, like, man, Angie's just kind of <laughs> lost her mind now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so she finally was like, okay, I'll take you. So <laughs> I go over there, and, you know, I sit down. They're still building the house that they they were living in, mm-hmm. that they're living in now. And I told them, you know, what I said a while ago, you know, like, if Jonathan doesn't want me back, you know, that's okay. I'm still going to live going to live my life for the Lord, you know. Um, I knew he'd done something in me, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew, but I just I just really wasn't sure at that time because I wasn't knowledgeable. And so, you know, of course, the loving, forgiving people that they are, they were like, okay, you know. And it's funny. This is funny. This is a little funny story. Ezra was there, and he was probably, oh, he was almost three because he had been three in November. Mm-hmm. And he was running around like a little chicken with his head cut off, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, because they had no stable mm-hmm. life for a year, so he was pretty wild. Yeah, and there was some two by fours around, you know, and we were all praying. Like at the very end, we were praying while Ezra was running around, and in in a moment, he took that two by four and he hit me in the back of the head with it. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, it literally like jarred me. I was like, wow, oh my goodness! And you know, I just thought, well, that's my punishment from him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it, Mom. <laughs> yeah. That's all I needed to do. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that night I went home, or that afternoon I went home to my mom's house, and Sheila gave Jonathan, I think he got off work, she gave him the the note, and he called my mom's phone, and he said, you know, can you come over here? It's the first I've heard his wow. voice in like forever. Yeah. And I was like, well, my, it's funny you say that, because I really don't have a way to get over there, because my car blew up, you know? Yeah. And so he was like, okay, well, me and the kids will come and get you. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, so wow. he drove over there to, and I believe that was also the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, telling him that yeah, yeah. something was different. Yeah, so she's he, really changed. Yeah, and so he came and got me, and we went back to our house, the trailer that we that he was living in. And we sit on the porch and, and 
we talked and he said, you know, are you, are you really going to do this? Are you changed? You know? And I was like, yes, you know, and now he tells me, he was like, I could tell when I looked at you, you were a different person. He said, there was just something about you that was different. He said, I couldn't pin it, but he goes, now I realize that it was the Lord, you know? And so that was, I think that was like the Tuesday before I went to, to church that was a whole nother thing, having to go to church yeah. in front of all these people. You know, of course, Sheila, she grabs my hand. She's like, you're going, you know. Yeah. My oldest son, Scholar, he, you know, after when I, that Sunday when I went to the altar, I can't even, I can't even, I just kept crying and crying yeah. and crying, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, I, I knew God delivered me and healed me in that bedroom, but I, I wanted yeah, to make sure right. that it was... Right. I wanted to show people that like this, you know, and so, yeah. and then, you know, they're like, well, we're having a baptism. I was, I'm getting baptized. I want to be baptized. Yeah. Sign and, you know, up. not really even knowing what it meant at that time, you know, mm-hmm. really, but sort of, you know, because the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, I f- he was like, you need to get baptized. Okay, I'll get baptized. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so I did, you know, and just that whole first year of me being saved was like, you know, the infant, you know, where he, I was learning things, yeah. you know, and they, and they, and, you know, I was still smoking cigarettes and I was still drinking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I read the word, God just kept speaking to me about these things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, alcohol was one of them, you know, and all, and I just got done drinking like four, I don't remember what it was, but a lot of limes or something. And I mm-hmm. went to open my Bible and start reading, and God just, right where I needed to, you know, See it, you know. I was tipsy when I was reading it, mm-hmm. and no drunkards were enter into the gates of heaven. I was like, oh, I closed it, and I was like, honey, do you know what you know? It was just like, and from then on, I quit drinking, you know. And then, then it was the cigarettes, and um, wow. Pastor Joel was actually part of that process of helping me quit smoking. My mom oh. got cancer because she smoked, yeah. and I tried. It was in January, and I tried and tried to quit smoking, and I could not do it by myself. I was trying to do it by myself. You know, I was yeah. like, I can do this. And Pastor Joel, one day I went to the altar, and he was like, what do you want? And I was like, I want to quit smoking, and I'm tired of I'm tired of saying I will, and then I can't do it. You know, and he was like, you just, you know what, when you smoke that cigarette, he goes, <laughs> when you take a puff of that cigarette, you just, you speak out the righteousness of Christ lives in me. Wow. And I literally took that and wow. I put it into action with fasting and praying. And within a week, it just fell off. Wow. So, and you know, God, <laughs> he just, he just continued to do yeah restore relationships through that whole year with me and Jonathan you know I felt the Holy Spirit leading us to renew our vows Mm -hmm. so we did marriage counseling with Pastor and Kenny Tammy Mm -hmm. and we we renewed our vows then I felt the Lord tell me you know you need to give your children back to me you never done that Mm. Scholar 17 Audrey's like nine or 10 and Ezra, you know, he's little. And so I went to my pastors and I said, hey, is this weird if I ask, you know, to rededicate, you know, to dedicate Mm -hmm. my children to the Lord, you know, and pastor was like, well, I've never done it to to these older kids, but I mean, sure, you know, it's never too late, you know, (laughs) and, you know, Skylar at that time, he was still being rebellious, you know, Mm. but he played the guitar. Ah. I told him, I said, you know, I said, if you uh, if 
you'll come to church with me. <laughs> Maybe I'll, they'll let you play the guitar. Well, I told him, I said, I'll buy you a new guitar oh, okay. for his birthday because his okay. birthday was in November. Well, of course. Well, then they had fine arts, you know, at, at Cedarville First Assembly. And I went, Pastor Joel, there was Pastor Joel, Pastor Clayton, Taylor, Haley, all of them just, mm-hmm. you know, they just loved on him yeah and i remember one sunday night he went to the altar and he cried like a baby like and it was just it was just so wonderful just to see god you know he just kept restoring if you know me you know i love supporting my local businesses today i am sharing one of my favorite restaurants with you pasta grill in van buren y'all this place is delicious If you're looking for an amazing family restaurant with wonderful customer service, go visit Pasta Grill. They are located at 810 Main Street, Van Buren, Arkansas, right next to Chapters on Main Bookstore. Their hours are Tuesday through Thursday, lunch 11 to 2, dinner 5 to 8, and Friday through Saturday, lunch 11 to 2, and dinner 5 to 9.30. My favorite dish is the seafood pasta, and you can't skip out on their white cheddar dill soup. Pasta Grill has lunch specials Tuesday through Thursday and also offers catering. Check them out in person or visit their website, pastagrillrestaurant.com. And it was just, it was just so wonderful just to see God, you know, he just kept restoring, you know, he restored our marriage was actually, the divorce was final. The week that I came back, it was final that next week. And Jonathan, you know, called and said, I don't want to do it, which he had all a lot of his family were like, don't do this. What are you doing? You need to, you know, you need to file for for divorce. And so I struggled with dealing with those people, you know, because I understand they, they, I lost all their trust. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's where you just keep walking it out, you know, and now it's been seven years. That's crazy. So that is so crazy. (laughs) Okay. And. You had mentioned before that your husband was still in addiction during that time, right? Yes. So can you kind of like quickly go over how how he was delivered too? Yes. When I came back, I realized within a few months that he was still in addiction. So I took it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I prayed. I anointed my house, you know, his pillows. Yeah. I... I would just try to talk to him when he was sober. And a lot of times I would scream while I was by myself, like, Lord, why? Why did you bring me back to this? You know, but looking back at it, I I believe with all my heart that that's the reason that he delivered me instantly. Mm. Because if I wasn't, if I was still struggling, you would have been tempted. uh, He could have pulled me back in. And, you know, that's kind of incredible that you were an yeah. addict for so long. And, and I had, I, I would find his pills, I would find his meth, and I would, I would usually put it back because I just, I was led a lot by the Holy Spirit at that time. Like just the things that I felt like I needed to do. There were a lot of times where I was like, I'm leaving, I'm done, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. Cause it was four years, yeah. you know, that I dealt with this um, with him. And anyway, it was, just a slow process for him just getting clean you know yeah. and there were people that god put in his life to help him he has a friend that I, I believe wholeheartedly if it wasn't for this friend that 
he wouldn't have overcome it. You know, he yeah. he was struggling to to do anything with his life. You know, he would lay on the couch and just not want to do anything, didn't have any purpose or anything. You know, because yeah. he was off of drugs. You know, and he was like, I can't do anything. This this is horrible. You know, and it's a big change, I think, because. After addiction, it's like you kind of have to figure out what your feelings and what yeah. you what you like and what you might. One of my closest friends, Dana, she's been on the podcast before. She shared her story. Like she has mentioned to me before, off air too, that like it's almost like you have to relearn yourself. Yes, and it's very painful at times because you're like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, what use am I? Yes, you know yes. now that I'm clean and I'm not getting high like what what's my purpose now yeah and so I can't imagine the way that he was feeling like in that time and especially you had been delivered and were doing so good well you know yeah Yeah. good what you call good or whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) but that's just mind-blowing to me so how did how did he kind of get better through that just a, I mean it was just it was a lot of work for him it wasn't easy for him yeah. I mean his he he'll tell you you know it it was all it was a lot of mind re you know training your mind yeah. you know he did backslide you know he backslid a couple of times you know well more than a couple of times you know with the addiction and you know he I remember him getting baptized but still after that he still struggled with his addiction yeah. you know it was just it was a very slow process for him and I think just me constantly being there and showing him just my walk I think with what, you know, just being faithful to the Lord and see him seeing what the Lord did for me is the hope that he clinged on to. And that you were going to love him through it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine how hard that would be, though, to like see your husband clean and then to like relapse and you're like, come on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. please do this. Yeah. The Lord gave me a lot of grace for him. For Jonathan, yeah. because I don't think that a lot of people would have put up with yeah. it that long. Yeah. But every time I wanted to leave, he would give me the strength to stay. Yeah. And then he would, it was just like his grace would over overflow in me and it would overflow in to to Jonathan, you know, to just to see. And, and you know, I would always think, well, he took me back after all I'd done, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yeah, he he was in drug addiction, and he, but he still never left the kids. Yeah, you know, which I know some people's like, well, that's not any better. Well, mm-hmm. it is, you yeah. know, it, it is. So, so, your life now compared oh my to goodness. even three, four years ago, like what's your marriage like? What's your? It's, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's not all. Right, well, no marriage is yeah. perfect, yeah. You know, but we, we still struggle with things, you know, and stuff. But it's 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 amazing. I mean, it literally is amazing, just my life, walking with the Lord, just new new things that He's bringing in, you know, blessing us with, you know. You know, we had to, we've kind of had to start over our life, you know, yeah. with everything. Right. Um, you know, we, we live in a little, little trailer. You know, we've been blessed with, you know, we've actually had a car given to us by a family member. You know, we just, wow. we've been blessed. God's always taking care of us, you know, because I know that as an 
if you're in addiction and you come out of it, it's hard to start all over again. You know, you you have to build back up everything Mm -hmm. because you don't have anything. So, but the Lord has taken care of us, our family. He's, he's just blessed us. I mean, with Skylar, he's just done so much in Skylar's life. And, you know, the thing, I always tell Audrey, you know, you prayed for me. You're the one who prayed for me. You know, you got more above and beyond what you thought you were going to get, you know, because a lot of times she's like, you won't let me do this. You won't let me do that. You know, this and that, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, and I, and I, and I know that people, they, they look at me and think, oh my goodness, you know, she's just over protective of her, but mm-hmm. It's because I live that life, and I'm not going to let her, you know, or Ezra go, you know, down that path. path. I I will not. I will do everything. Yes. And I might be a little bit, you know, hard on her just because she's my only daughter, and I see the potential, Mm -hmm. and I see things that God wants to do in her life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's always like, oh, I know, I know, I prayed for it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I know, I wanted you clean. I wanted you to be a stable mom. But can you let me do this? <laughs> yeah. 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 Gotta love teenagers. Yes. God has actually blessed me with being a part of the Ready Now Recovery yeah. program, which is a branch off of Adult and Teen Challenge. Mm-hmm. It is a non-residential program for for people who struggle with any life any life controlling problem. It's not just a drug addiction. Okay. It's it's anything. It could be food, relationships, anger, anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. whatever. And so That's we awesome. We actually, we've been doing it since 2021 at Cedarville First Assembly. We have classes on Wednesday nights at 630. Yeah. And then God has opened up a door to where we can take these into the jail at Crawford County Detention Center. Okay. We started doing that in April of 22. But I was able to get in to the jail before that, just going in and ministering um, with a friend, well, with a family member, actually. And then she decided she didn't want to do it no more. And then it just opened up this huge door to where now we have a jail ministry on Monday nights. We have the Women's Ready Now Recovery. And then we have, we get to go into two other pods in the women, you know, Mm -hmm. to teach Bible classes, study or whatever. And then that we also have a group that go in for the men's. And then here in just a few weeks, we're actually starting a Ready Now Recovery class for the men in the jail. Nice. So that's awesome. Yes. So if anybody's interested in doing something like that and getting involved, how can they reach out to you? They can they can look it up. Ready now recovery. There's a website for it. Is um, it dot com? Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. You can just yeah. I think it's dot com or something like that. But you can look it up and yeah. it'll just pull ready now recovery up and you'll see it. But you know if 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 they're interested in becoming a facilitator, like, oh, I, that's what I want to do. You know, yeah. it's not just for like certain churches. It's for a community. And we want what what Ready Now Recovery wants is it. we want it to go, you know, worldwide, just like Adult and Teen Challenge. Yeah, you know, we, we want churches, other churches to be involved in it and to have facilitators to be able to you know, especially Van Buren area, you know, people get out of jail and they don't, they don't have vehicles where they can't drive. So they can't make it to Cedarville first for classes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if a church is interested or even if a person is interested in getting it started, you know, that they just, they can, 
contact me or contact you know look yeah. it up because the website you can go down it says if you want to be a facilitator and you can actually sign up for it and you have to go through training mm-hmm. you know you have to pay for yeah. some things i mean it's a certified training that you have to go through so nice yeah well cool well if anybody's interested in doing that it's you said it's what ready ready now recovery ready now recovery.com and if that's wrong i'll put it in the <laughs> i'll put it in the info of the of the this episode so that way people can click the link or or whatever and then if not you can email me at picturing purpose podcast at gmail.com <laughs> so angie thank you so much for coming on the show uh was it as bad as you thought it was gonna be huh no 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 it <laughs> everybody's wasn't. usually a little nervous at first yeah getting on here and and especially being so vulnerable too yeah that you know you're basically opening you're an open book yeah and people are reading your story so yeah. i do want to say one thing okay to, i do want to say you know god reached down from heaven and he rescued me out of the grips of addiction and death mm-hmm. and he is no respecter of persons if he did it for me he can do it for anyone i 100 percent so. believe that too your story's pretty incredible like the fact that you had gone through so much and you have done a lot of things in your life that you probably regret, yeah. and, but you still move forward and you keep following the Lord and you just trust him. That's pretty significant because not a lot of, I don't know what the percentage rate is for addicts, like recovering addicts to stay clean and continue that path, but I'm pretty sure it's kind of low, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, you know, it, I think adult and teen challenge. If you know, that's a mm-hmm. a uh, where they have to be housed. You know, where you yeah. go in. It's a, and I think the rate is in the eighty percentile, that which is the highest recovery oh, wow. rate. Yeah. for people coming out of addiction. That's incredible, and I b- totally believe because it is faith based. Right, right, right. You know, right. that's why the percentage is so high. Definitely. I agree. Well, that's cool. That's something else that people can look into as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank uh, you for having I me. I got to meet you for the first time, which was <laughs> awesome. You're incredible. Your story's awesome. And I, I truly believe that the Lord puts you in these predicaments in order for you to reach people and to to bless them and to kind of guide them towards Him. Because everything that we do in life is for Him. Yes. Everything we do is to lead people to His kingdom. It's not about us. Yes. And sometimes that's hard for even me to say, because I'm like, <laughs> what? It's not about me? <laughs> but it, it when you look at the big picture and you really... And you start reading in the word and you and you pray and you just kind of speak scripture over your life, you'll begin to realize that you want to live for the Lord yes. and you want to glorify him in everything yes. because that's whenever your life is just at perfect peace. Yes. And when it's not, when you're living for yourself, you're like, oh, what what do I do now? What do I you know, yeah. it's just like a vicious cycle. Yes. So thank you for sharing your story and for also being so active in the community too. That speaks volumes to not just talk the talk, but to walk the walk. So I just wanted to say that, and I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Oh, and I do have to shout out your son, Skylar, because I was at a birthday party once for 
one of one of the one of the Wanamaker kids, and he just came up to me and he was like, "Hey, I love your podcast. I listen to it. I've never <laughs> I've never had like a guy do that, which I was very impressed. Like I was like, thanks, Skylar. Like I appreciate that. And yes. he just was like, I listened to all the episodes. I love them so much. Did you tell him that you were coming on the podcast? I d- yes, I did. I did tell him that. <laughs> I think he- yeah. He was like, oh, that's awesome. Which yeah. I messaged him that you know, but I'm yeah. a lot of Skylar's growth mm-hmm. is from Pastor Joel, yes. you know, being there for him. I, yeah. That's one of his, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I, yeah. He I, raved about him when yeah. he was talking to me. He's like, yeah, I, there's many nights that I slept on his <laughs> couch because he would be in a bad spot or a party yeah. or something. And he'd call Joel and Joel would just come pick him up. And yeah. the ride back to his house wasn't condemning yeah. or judgmental. He just said, hey, just keep calling me. You know, yeah. I need, yeah. you know, I'm here for you. And he was Jesus-like. He didn't yes. judge him. And that's what we need in life. We don't need someone to pick us up and just tell us how awful we are and yeah. what we're doing is stupid. You yeah. know, we know it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I love that. And I wanted to share that story, too, because Pastor Joel is pretty a significant part of my life, too. So thank you, Pastor Joel and yes. Michelle. Yes, thank you all. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Picturing Purpose Podcast. Find us on Anchor as well as every major streaming service. If you are excited for this journey and want to see this podcast thrive, there are many ways you can help. The most simple thing you can do is by leaving a five-star review on your streaming service of choice. Reviews help podcasts so much. Another easy thing, anytime you see a post from the Picturing Purpose Podcast social media pages, please comment, like, and share. This generates a bigger audience and brings more listeners. You never know, one of your friends may need to hear an encouraging word. I need daily motivation myself. Last, but definitely not least, if you want to see this podcast fulfill its purpose, your donations are incredibly appreciated. Keeping the podcast up and running is an extra cost I have taken on and will continue to do as needed. I know that God will always provide because this podcast is His. Not only will donations go to the making of the podcast, but Picturing Purpose will be blessing a portion of its monthly earnings to people in need. Whatever God puts on my heart is where the money will go. There is no donation too small, and you can also set up reoccurring payments. Even $5 a month would be super helpful. If you are unable to donate, your prayers are powerful. Please pray for this podcast and that it continues to serve its purpose and spread the love of Christ. Our hope is that Picturing Purpose is an encouragement to anyone that needs it and that we create strong, confident, and motivated disciples. Thank you for your support.